Well, hello and welcome once again to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. I'm Phil. With me, as always, is uh, Dave of the title. And this week, we're taking off of my shelf, 1981's Halloween 2. A little bit of a follow-up to my last pick. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Initial thoughts, feelings, how you doing? I'm great. EA Sports, it's in the game. <laughs> uh, I, I liked I liked it for the most part, Philip. Um, more of the same, as one I just indicate, uh, uh, different uh, in a, in a few ways. But uh, interesting. You don't see too many sequels that come right after. Like it's right after. Like this could have been one three-hour movie essentially. Yep. If you think about it, I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> that's just a long movie in general, right? So it's really hard to uh, to keep a movie uh, keep people's attention for that long. This day and age, we do have the attention span of a goldfish, apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but my initial thoughts, well, I really liked the uh, the first twenty minutes. Okay, I kind of I liked where it kept picking up where it left off. Not to say I'd enjoy the rest of the movie, but. Uh, you know, I got a little kind of, you know, the whole hot, a lot of the scene at the hospital, that's pretty much where it's two thirds of this movie takes place. Yeah. I don't know. That was pretty like, uh, I don't want to be here. <laughs> uh, I don't think the, the female cast is as good as the first time around. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel that, that, uh, that, that kind of camaraderie, I never say that word right, but, uh, all in all, uh, I enjoyed the experience, and I'll, I will be honest with you, I did have a nightmare. I oh, had a wow. Nightmare. I did. It was, wasn't very long. No, I mean, I don't know, and dream time is different than real time, so I don't know. It was about 20 minutes dream time. Sure. I don't know the inception rules, I forget, but the, <laughs> the, the, time, the time exchange, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I did. So it actually left me a little bit kind of scared, but knowing that, you know, don't worry about it. But what I will say is watching these movies now versus watching them as a young, as a 12 year old, 13 year old, Mm -hmm. what it allows you to watch it more of just a movie, uh, you know, of a specific genre. Yes, but I'm not watching it. to be scared Uh, i'm watching it to enjoy it for what it has what it does the you know just kind of the music and you know the story and i'm I'm into the movie i'm watching it but i'm not like you know looking behind my fingers like having my my face my hand over my face that i think is the biggest difference between watching it now versus at a younger age and one more thing i want to say about the genre in general is why i think stream was a scarier movie because mm-hmm. I think movie newer are scarier is that it's almost a, not a parody, but it's a, it's making fun of, of these movies, right. Which yep. makes them feel more real. Sure. This is the actual reality. Halloween movies, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's just all made up stuff. Mm-hmm. This is real life. This is happening now to real people. I think that's why I, when I watched Scream, I'm like, oh my God, I'm scared. And I was I, in my 20s, so it wasn't like mm-hmm. I was a child. 
but it's the fact that it's, it's set, it seemed more real because they were kind of poking fun at, at, at uh, what these movies do, right? The, the flaws they have and, and, and such. So that's my little spiel about that, why I think that's funnier. But I appreciate these older uh, movies for the art, the, the, the direction, the cinematography and uh, the costumes and things like that. So there's definitely an appreciation for them without, you know, going in scared. Now, having said all that, Phil, did it scare you again? No. Okay. Uh, all right. This yeah. movie, uh, in particular, um, in 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 the rewatch, I would say that this is probably the sequel. Uh, maybe this and part eight. Uh, you heard that right. There's part eight. <laughs> um, yeah. Are the two that I think I really just don't really connect with, um, and. So okay. in the rewatch, I, I had some high hopes. You know, I, I was coming off of the vibe of, of Halloween, uh, which I adore and still think is, is, a, is a really near flawless movie. And it got me kind of excited about the genre, got me excited around the series again, kind of got me a little pumped up. Uh, a couple of people, uh, yourself included, that I know that had watched Halloween recently, both or all three kind of came back with the, I can't wait to see part three or part two you know, uh, or, or I'm excited or I'm interested even, which is more than I kind of anticipated. So I kind of fed off of that a little bit. Like, yeah, let's, let's get into two, you know, which is obviously why <laughs> I, uh, I, I picked it uh, for this week's movie. And, you know, this movie has one, really one of my all-time favorite uh, opening sequences, you know, uh, uh, mm -hmm. it, the use of, you know, the, the, the bit of, as you said, picking up where the last one left off. So giving us the last sort of two or three minutes of the, of the last movie uh, to kind of get us caught up. This is a movie that came out three years after uh, the original. Uh, so that's handy, you know, kind of similar to what a TV show, a cliffhanger might do, you know, sort of previously on. So I like that as a, as a you know, as a little bit of a thing. But my, my favorite part of it is Loomis when it kind of goes from last years or last the last movie into this movie, Loomis is, is at the front door and he's kind of, you know, he's got the blood on his hands and then the neighbor kind of comes across and says, you know, I've been trick or treated to death tonight. And Loomis looks at him with his sort of over the top eyes, you know, you don't know what death is. And then the music kicks and he runs off into the night. I was like, that's what I remember this movie, you know, like kind of a, a, a jolt. I think it's just such a great way to kind of kickstart the movie mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and right into a long credit sequence and the, and the revelation of the, of the skull and the pumpkin. So those things excited me this year, this time and excited me kind of every time I think of this movie or every time I, I, I watch it. And for me, what ends up happening is almost immediately I find the movie kind of just drags to a halt and the mm -hmm. excitement and the, and the kind of, in some ways, sadly, uh, maybe a, a sick way, you know, the joy I get from that first <laughs> three or four minutes just gradually kind of chips away, you know, and, and, and by the time we're at the hospital, I find that those sequences are kind of interminable. You know, they just sort of drag so much. And all the characters, as you said, don't have any of the life, you know, that, that the first movie kind of has. And Laurie, as a character, is sort of relegated to, you know, near catatonic state yeah. um, for much of the movie. And so, again, we're not, there's, as much as we're 
connecting or like supposed to sort of have this connective tissue to the first movie, I find all the things that we have to connect us to the last movie don't really exist, you know, or in some ways, or they're not really delivered upon or they're kind of immediately discarded in favor of, you know, these new batch of characters, but I don't like any of those characters. I don't care about any of those characters, you know, other than of course, Lance guest, um, whom, oh, yeah. uh, I, you know, I love from, from the last Starfighter, and, you know, he's in jaws four and, uh, we know him of course, from, uh, Jericho, uh, he played the news reporter that gets killed in the second season. Um, if really? you want to remember that, take a moment. Yeah. Uh, so that's Lance guest. And so I was like, well, I like him as like a young kid, but they're trying to create some sort of love plot with he and Lori. Like they know each other, but they don't, you know, they don't have any indication that they have any experience with one another. So anyway, so that's, you know, the, 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 my, my initial instinct is sort of saying, I just think that, that this movie just doesn't deliver on the promise of the first. And I think some of that comes down to the director. Uh, coincidentally, the two th sequels I mentioned, part eight and, uh, and this one, part two, uh, were actually both directed by the same guy, uh, which I think is an interesting kind of first, I, I would suspect, for those kind of, not a first, but that type of, uh, the idea of kind of bringing a director back sort of 12, 15 years later uh, to do a, a, a different movie in the series is, is kind of interesting to me. I just wish they had maybe picked a, a better slash different director because I don't think he's... Uh, he made a very flat movie is how I, how I see it. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right in, uh, in, a, in a lot of ways there. Outside of that first 20 minutes, it, it's certainly kind of like, you know falls off a cliff and it just goes right down. I'm like, all right, well now it's just, he's just going to be killing people at this, <laughs> at this yeah. point. It's just a matter of who, how, and when now that's 90% of a horror movie, I guess, but it doesn't need to be. And I think what makes the great ones better uh, than the mediocre ones is it has a good story or it creates a backstory. It has that, extra element that really kind of draws you in other than just becoming the, of that how, how are they going to kill them and then you're sitting there guessing oh, oh i think they're gonna this is how this person's gonna go and there's a few moments where it, it leaves you guessing uh i guess it's like oh i thought i thought he was going to show up there oh okay he's mm -hmm. not he's gonna show up now the first movie did a different kind of take on it where you, they really keep you hanging on for a while to the first murder. Uh, this movie, of course, doesn't take long. Now, I did. I do like what they did with the whole knife. Where I mean, I like the part. Michael's just roaming around the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, that's the true. Yep. They're looking for him. I. That's I think the the best part of the movie. Just the idea uh, of a guy on Halloween night wandering around the neighborhood with a mask and mechanics overalls is a. It's scary as hell, and and it's just suspenseful and just, you know, it's just great. I mean, that's really what I liked about the movie. And I'm like, oh, he's not going to kill the old couple. And he didn't. And I like that they didn't because he, he, he has a type, it seems. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad they stuck with the, with the type. Uh, and then the, the first murder, uh, if you will, which was fine. It, it was, I guess I got the, the murder ball rolling. Uh, but again, uh -huh. we have no connection to this, this, this person. 
this is just some rando, uh, but I guess they just want it to, to get the killing going and, uh, and go from there. But that's really the only kind of kill outside of the hospital, I believe. Yeah, I want to touch a little bit on what you're saying there, because I, I do think, you know, you kind of referenced earlier with Scream and sort of one of the, the, the things that maybe elevated that at the time in that sort of mid-90s was that we'd had sort of 20 years of horror movies and the tropes and the types to kind of build upon and a bit of sort of make fun of on, on some level. And then, and as you said, sort of making, acknowledging like, oh yeah, there are Halloween movies that had come before, but this, this is real life. And I do think that that's what made that sort of postmodern horror genre um, flip in the mid nineties that the slasher films had kind of run their course, mm-hmm. including the Halloween series and so forth. And that all that was really left to do with it was to kind of flip it on its head a little bit. So uh, that I think it is, I mean, it effectively killed the horror movie for about 10 years, um, which upset me at the, t- at the time. I both loved Scream and then sort of hated the ripple effect of Scream, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the, screen, the horror movies kind of afterwards became kind of copycats of Scream. It kind of created its own vacuum of, of the movies that it was kind of making fun of at first, you know? Um, so that's sort of my love-hate with, with Scream. But I do think, as you said, there is something intrinsically captivating by the idea of Halloween. This is sort of what made the first one so interesting as well, which is it could be anyone, right? Those shots that we talked about in the first one was sort of like every town USA kind of, here's your main street, here's your schools, here's your houses, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, this movie took that. And I, I do appreciate, as you said, uh, it does sort of begin in this, you know, you get the POV shot kind of similar to the first movie and you're kind of in the backyards, you know, ducking and, and hiding. And there is this sort of feeling like, yeah, he could be any, any one of us or any one of you in the, in, the, in, the, in the neighborhood. And that is genuinely kind of terrifying. I do think as well, as you said, that, you know, we waited an hour of an hour and 30 minute movie, last one, to have anybody die, really. Right. And so there is that feeling of like, we know these girls, we know the story of the town, we know the sheriff, we know all these people were introduced to them and we kind of live with them for that hour. And this movie, it's literally, I want to say 12 minutes, you know, uh, 12 minutes and, and two and a half minutes of that are uh, the kind of the previous movie. And then a minute and a half is of credits, you know, so you're really looking at almost, you know, six or seven minutes into the, into the actual movie. Does the first death happen? And it's to some rando, right? And I think right then you have to think about, we won't spend too, too much time talking on it, but in the years since 1978 and 1981, things that have come out in the, in the, the world are things like Friday the 13th that kind of ripped off the, the Halloween ethos, right. And became very much sort of slasher gore, uh, we don't care about the kids. We kind of more care about the villain, the vic- you know, that kind of stuff uh, that starts to take hold. And this movie, I think, kind of falls prey to it as a result. Because mm-hmm. you're right. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis being the star, if you will, doesn't has a handful of, of lines. Her dialogue is quite maybe 12 words in the whole movie, maybe. I mean, yeah, yeah. Maybe she doesn't have a lot. Doesn't <laughs> uh, have a lot to work with. No, and, and it's fine. I mean, that's, I guess that's what it called for. But again, it's just kind of you're, the one person you've, you have sort of a relationship with from the first movie. 
that's still alive is basically <laughs> well mike myers i suppose if you want to build a relationship with him uh, also has, doesn't have a lot of dialogue no, that's true. And I think he has commitment <laughs> issues, so I don't think I'd want a relationship with him. Uh, yeah. Uh, should be some trust issues there. Uh, and then you have Loomis. Uh, again, how do I would say about the same as the first movie? His impact yeah. in the movie? Not more, I wouldn't. I don't think. No, he kind of spends this movie as well, kind of wandering around, <laughs> waiting for something to kind of happen. Yeah. Um, and I do. And it, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I do like the fact they, they recognize and, and deal with the fact that the, sh- the sheriff, they, it was her daughter, Annie, that was killed. I like that they just didn't, you know, forget about that as they easily could have, I think. So I'm glad that that was kind of just uh, reckon- dealt with, I think, just showing. I mean, it was, they didn't need much, just showing the body, yeah. seeing his reaction. So I, I like that. And again, it, it made me feel like this was tied to the first movie for a little bit. Anyways, and then it kind of wasn't later after that. But Yeah, I agree. I think that that is an interesting scene. I wish they had kind of done a little more with it because it just so happens to be kind of said right after someone is burning to death in front of them. Uh, it's sort of like, oh, by the way, go do this other thing. Oh, yeah, okay, got to go. Uh, yeah. So I do think that that's a bit of a throwaway, you know, but I agree. I do like, the again, this connective tissue. I wanted more of that. You know, I wanted to kind of yeah. have... About the only thing it really does, and this movie kind of struggles with it a little bit, and, and I don't have written down like any specific examples of it, but I think in just a theoretical, you really do have to wonder about the timeline of the last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a long night, that's for it's sure. It's a very, very long night because this sort of movie starts and people are still trick-or-treating and so forth, whereas the idea of the events of the first movie feels like that's happening into the wee hours of morning, you know? Uh, you know, the point. kids are groggy and asleep and what's happening and what's going on. Whereas this movie, it's sort of like it's eight o'clock at night again. Right. In a weird way. Uh, not I enough to take me out of the movie, point. but a couple yeah. of times I did, I did wonder, huh? What? How are we? Because at some point the, 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 co- the cop says something like, oh, it's coming up on 11 p.m. He's probably just, you know, at a party or something. I remember thinking like, it's only 11, <laughs> you know, like uh, it seems kind of crazy. Yeah, it didn't take me out of it. That's a, one thing, now that you mentioned it, which may have, is like, yeah, why is there still trick-or-treaters? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, trick-or-treaters, where, where, where I'm from, where we're from, you're, you're done by seven. Maybe yeah. it's just the country thing, but we had some this year, and it was between six and seven. Yeah. And maybe one after seven, that's it. So if that's all happened, uh, all these things have happened, well, it's got to be, by the time Annie and them are all kind of murdered, it's got to be at least... It's got to be at least nine or ten. Yeah, I would suggest. So, again, not enough to take me out, and it's a bit of a nitpick. uh, Yeah, nitpick. You know, I don't want to suggest that that, you know, this movie has other flaws in it, you know, with it that that, that do stick out a lot more than that one. But I remember just at one point thinking, what the hell time is it? You know, like, how could this sort of all be (laughs) happening uh, in one one evening? But my wife did mention, like, this is a long night. (laughs) (laughs) So it was definitely, I, I didn't even actually really think about it. Because to me, I mean, you think about it, the first movie's, I mean, not even two hours. So between the two movies, it's what, three, three and a bit? I it's mean, only, yeah. The, the other one, I think, is is 133 or something like that. And this is about 131. So yeah, you're only really dealing with about three hours. You got three hours. And, and the, if the night starts, I mean, the movie started in the daytime. So if you kind of look at it that way, it's not really... A stretch. I mean, movies can, in some cases, be real time. 
Absolutely, uh, they can. This one isn't, but they definitely can be. Yeah, so I think, yeah, <laughs> it was okay with that. And it made, at the very end, we saw that the sun was coming up. So that, you know, that's true. Which, again, the time span between seeing the last kids go trick or treating versus all the killing going on in the hospital. Now it's 5 a.m. So, anyways, yeah, you can't put too much emphasis on it because, you know, you're not going to, you're just going to, just going to hurt yourself. Yeah. And I ultimately, like as I said, uh, particularly with horror movies, I have a, a blind spot for that kind of nitpick. Like, I don't, I sort of buy the internal logic. I will always just sort of commit to the internal logic. And that's true of most movies. I want to, I see the movie they're presenting as opposed to looking for logic holes or like, that doesn't make sense. And why is he wearing that? And what happened to that? It's sort of like, you know, that's just sort of like, you know, I try and just sort of get in the mindset of like whatever's happening is sort of on purpose. And I'll sort of think about it afterwards, you know, and think, well, that didn't make a lot of sense, but I try to stay focused in the movie. And I mean, uh, I just watched rewatch Ad Astra again, because I love the movie. And again, I overlooked like the science of everything. It's way off. It's not even close. And it does not take me out of the movie because I know what the, now that I've watched it three or four times, I know what the movie's about. It's yeah. not about that. It's about a story between a father and son. That's what you need to be paying attention to. That's the focus. The rest is just kind of through your eyes and just kind of just to kind of tell the story. So sure. same thing with any genre. You're going to, especially if you like the genre, you're going to kind of make those kind of, without even noticing, like, oh, geez, I didn't even realize it was, a, <laughs> you know, that was what, one night? I didn't even know. I'm just in yeah. the movie, right? Agreed. I get Agreed. it. Agreed. I get it. <laughs> What? Uh, so, as I said, I, I kind of really enjoyed that first little bit, as we talked about the hospital, which is where the bulk of the movie takes place. Uh, you know, it just felt really flat in terms of the style and the direction of it. Did you, you know, and any characters sort of stick out to you? I find like they're also, you know, they try and give guys like Bud a bit of a thing, you know, uh, uh, as, as sort of the macho, uh, you know, uh, sexy doc, you know, uh, or, 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 you know, sexy nurse guy. Uh, did any characters sort of stick out with you uh, in the, uh, in the movie? Nope, not at all. Uh, moving on. Um, again, a little bit of nudity was nice. It's all you always appreciated. Um, but uh, I didn't really, I didn't, I, at the end I was like, okay, who's left? Is there any nurses left? Oh, there's that blonde. I don't even know her name. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. There's one more. Okay, cool. Um, no, I mean, not really. Uh, the 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 smoking pot on their break just—I don't know. I don't think that's really a good idea. But anyways, well, the drunk doctor introduced as the drunk doctor, like he yeah. was at the country club all day. I think he's drunk. Like what? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. So definitely a small town, small town hospital. But let me ask you because I'm a little confused. Is that kid that came in? Yeah, his mouth was like in pretty rough shape. Yeah, what happened to him? <laughs> uh, that is a, they kind of presented it, and it's a bit of again a bit of a throwaway, but it, it's sort of it's it's designed to sort of talk about a typical Halloween prank, right? That's the old razor blade in the uh, apple oh. trick, oh, and so I think it was sort of an indi- it was a thing of like. It's Halloween night on top of the extraneous example of like, you know, murder, mass mayhem and so forth. There is still also these little Halloween transgressions like the myth of the uh, apples with the razor blades. And that's really all it was. And it was also just a chance to get some blood on the screen pretty early on in the movie. Um, Were you ever, when I was a kid, I was warned about that. Were you? 
Yeah, I think it's just, again, it's sort of part of the uh, iconography, as it were, of Halloween. And I think it's, you know, it's long since sort of been debunked as a as sort of just like rumor, innuendo and myth, you know, yeah, who, does, um, who does that? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, exactly. Like it's never been done in the history of time. Just some somebody once said, hey, you know, have you heard about this? It probably happened. Oh, OK. And then that sort of ran over for now, like, you know, centuries <laughs> or at least yeah. at least decades. Um, so I think that's all that was. It was just an indication of like, you know, here's a little bit of a jab for gore, you know, a little bit of a blood and a kid in jeopardy and so forth. Um, and a little bit of a tip in the nod to, uh, to that, uh, type of, uh, Halloween trope. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> one thing so, I do want to talk about, sorry, go ahead. Please. No, 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 please bring it up. Okay. Well, I just don't want to know we're kind of get all over the place sometimes, but I want to talk about the scene and I love the idea of this. Mm-hmm. Didn't like the execution of it, but loved the idea of it was the mistaken identity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, fantastic. That about, that's a little bit like what we just talked about, right? Like it could be anybody. It could be, you know, yeah. you know, costumes. Many people have the same costumes on any given Halloween night, you know, easy to, to get lost in that. So I agree. I, I, that is an example of what we were talking about. But I think as well, it, it is. Why do you think it's executed poorly? Just no one really knows about this guy. Like, so this isn't, this is Mike Myers. This is new. This is at this time. This is a a person who's been, who's a, who has escaped Mm -hmm. from an institution is wearing his his uniform is basically because he needed something and killed somebody to get it. Uh, The mask was just something he used when he was a kid. So he stuck with it. Kudos to him for it. Found it uh, at, a, at a gas station, right? Remember, like that was the whole thing. Yeah. It took some rope, a mask, you know, whatever else. There's no real, yeah. yeah. It's not. A, it's not a. It's not a Halloween outfit at, at this time. It's it's a real thing. So why is someone dressed like that? For one, that's my one of my biggest EA Sports uh, issue. Um, now again, I like the idea. I wish they had done a little bit different with the lighting. Mm-hmm. And a little bit more, okay, well, you can't see much where you just saw less of it, where it could yeah. have looked sort of like that. So I'm kind of just trying to use my imagination to overlook it uh, sure. or just kind of let it slide. Uh, I just think visually, I think they should have done a better job of not making it so silly, where it's like, well, look, this looks just like him. Mm-hmm. And now yeah, we right down to like the butcher knife. Uh, uh, yeah. the butcher knife, the coveralls, the, the, the mask, you know, my only thought around the mask is theoretically, if, 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 if Myers just picked it up at a gas station as like a Halloween, you know, just an average Halloween mask, then theoretically, mm-hmm. you know, anybody else could have done the same at any given gas station anywhere in that town. Right. Like, yeah. so maybe that was, just, you know, it could have just been, that's the Halloween mask of the year, you know, or what have you, right. You got your witches, your clowns and your white uh, <laughs> face. Yeah. Um, so like, I can, I can appreciate a certain amount of that. Uh, but even as in, in terms of just from a, as you said, from a filmic perspective, it's just done really poorly. I find, you know, Loomis is obviously raving at this point. Uh, he's just sort of meandering around. They're calling his name. They're, they're pointing guns at him and he sort of can't think of anything to do, like take the mask yeah. off to shout yeah. out, hey, no, no, it's me. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, any, 
anything whatsoever. And then it leads to some big car crash, uh, which again, I think is really just, it tells you the story in my view, things like that of the difference between 1978 horror movies and 1981 horror movies, you know, it's gotta be, you know, where's the big explosion? Where's the razor blade and the blood pouring out of the kid? Like we've just seen in these last two movies that those three years have a real big difference, you know, from a near bloodless uh, suspense thriller with Michael Myers and characters that you kind of know and care about to just a couple of years later, more blood, more gore, more kills, uh, less character, you know, more uh, uh, violence and so forth. Um, and it's, it's just interesting as a, as a time capsule almost to sort of see what, uh, you know, what the studios, what the country, what the world was, or what the genre was in relationship to one to the other. I thought that, that that and these things are things that you wouldn't have or wouldn't need a big car crash in the middle of Halloween, but you mm. do want one in, in, at Halloween too. You know, you want something bigger, you know, it's a sequel. It's time to get bigger and more violence, more explosion. So I think it's, 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 it's just poorly directed because again, you're just sort of like, well, what? <laughs> and now he's, now he's burning. And now you're trying to cram in the Annie subplot moment to get the, the, you know, the sheriff out of town it all just seems like, well, you're really kind of piling it on and, and not to great effect. And the re revelation later that that becomes uh, Ben Tramer, uh, who is, is, who was referenced in uh, part one as, uh, you know, Laurie's crush, uh, it really just is tacked on to a certain extent. It does sort of put you in the, in the, in the, in the space, like this is the neighborhood, you know, this is the town, right? Like the names you remember so forth. But uh, again, the revelation or the inclusion that this guy's name is Ben Tramer seems a bit like a wink and a nod that, that doesn't really maybe pay off uh, all these years later. Did you even notice that that was his name? No. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think so. Uh, yeah, yes, no. Um, I thought, I, I think I missed it. Like, I, I, I missed it, but I felt like I missed something here. Like, I no think they, they said who it was, and I kind of like, uh, what? Like, uh, okay, whatever, let's move on. Yeah. So I knew that there was something I just didn't. Yeah. And, and that's just dumb. Uh, I don't know. That seems uh, silly. Again, the whole thing is silly. Uh, again, <laughs> love, love the idea. Love a mistaken yeah. entity, love misdirection, big fan, but it's clearly not him because we're 15 minutes into the movie. It can't be him obviously. Yes. Uh, so what do we do? What are we doing here? Phil? What are we doing? Uh, I think this goes back to, to direction, you know, not only, you know, the script, you know, obviously has its problems. We can kind of dig a little bit deeper into some of the, uh, you know, the quote unquote revelations uh, later on in this movie. But, uh, you know, again, this is part of, to me, the style of the movie, the director, you know, this is a lot of the same crew as the first Halloween. The things that have changed are really just the director at the top. You know, Dean Cundy as a cinematographer is still, you know, the DP on the movie, Tommy Lee Wallace is still doing set design and production. You know, these are more or less the same team that brought you the first movie. So the fault in theory anyway, isn't necessarily in, in their work right now. John Carpenter has, say, has said that this script was written uh, over a weekend uh, that he was very drunk for and kept saying to himself, what the hell am I doing? You know, he, he had no real intention or interest in writing or creating or having Halloween be a sequel or even be a franchise of any kind. So this was written with a little bit of duress. And I think as a result, the plot is a little bit shambling for that reason. You know, I don't think there's a lot of cohesion. But 
to go back to Rosenthal, the director, and that scene again, just like the blocking the stage and the framing is kind of crap. And I find that he he tries to use the the things that Carpenter and the team used to great effect in the first movie, the POV shot and some of the, you know, the wide frame, you know, the, 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 the Panavision kind of camera and so forth, but to ill effect on almost every level, you know, in this movie, we get not, it opens with Michael Myers POV, right. Ducking in and out of the backyards and so forth, as we talked about, but then three times in the nearish, the beginning of the transportation of Lori to the hospital, we get Lori's POV. And that may seem trivial. It doesn't make a ton of, but it doesn't make any sense from a, if you're trying to sort of write the, the language of this movie, you're right. Like Michael Myers is the POV. That's been the violent, you know, that's where it comes from. And it's just sort of thrown in. It seems for Lori's POV at times when she's on the, on the, on the, the gurney, it just doesn't make a lot of sense from a, from a stylistic point of view. And I just think, well, this is just bad direction. You know, there's no reason to have those shots. And again, maybe a nitpick, but those things I feel like I'm watching for a POV. If you're giving me POV and that's violence, you know, it's a bit like uh, the jaws shots, you know, it's like you hear the music and the low angles, like that's the, the shark, right? That's his POV almost. So when you Mm -hmm. change to a different POV, it throws the balance off. And I think that's how I felt right off the bat with this movie is like, it all just seems a little bit off for a movie that is supposed to take place right after and has the same more or less the same creative team behind it. It just feels uh, off and it feels off almost immediately for me and never kind of uh, calibrates uh, let's say. And those early scenes are are a good indication because that scene you're talking about is I want to say maybe 15, 20 minutes into the movie, maybe less. Yeah. Clearly some alcohol involved in the script for sure. (laughs) <laughs> but that ex- explains it. Thank you for clearing that up. But I mean, when you do these sequels uh, and and then threequels and whatever, you know, you're always changing directors. Um, it's, it's always somebody. You know, we've seen Star Wars, so they kind of want to take it in a completely different direction. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure if it's the same guys and like that. But as you kind of mentioned, it's pretty much the same crew. Uh, for the for the most part, just throwing in with a little bit of tequila, and here we go. We got Halloween too. <laughs> yeah, I just think yeah, like everything just feels lazy, you know, on some level. It just feels like you're rushing to the point, right? Here's a doctor. Let's tell everybody that he's drunk, so he doesn't have to actually like portray drunk or like how you know. There's no reason to question anything, right? He's only in it for about 45 seconds. What does it matter that he's the drunk, you know, doctor? I think the idea is like, well, we'll give him a character, you know, like we'll give him a backstory because we're not going to have any time to actually develop it. I think that's the opposite of what happened in the first movie where you kind of get the sense these are real kids coming home from school and, you know, kind of shooting the shed. This movie is like, here's our drunk doctor. Come in, drunk doctor. You know, and this is your thing and you're going to be just drunk. That's your, you know, and, and Bud is like, pervy creepy dude right so we'll give him a song you know uh, amazing grace come sit on my face uh you know and he'll be the pervy doctor guy and that's like his character uh preoccupied with sex it's the only thing he's interested in you know and lance guest gets to be sensitive guy you know and you don't know who these people are but they're given this sort of one quick line of dialogue to introduce themselves and then that that that's who we like that's who our guys are and i, I think the movie suffers as a result uh, I agree. Was that um, Drunk Doctor? Was that a Carpenter cameo? 
it's an M Night Shyamalan. I want to be in the movie. That's right. No, no, not John Carpenter, but but like a, maybe an Avatar for John Carpenter. Like, yeah, hey, I'm drunk. Uh, writing okay. this, maybe I'll be drunk in it. I think, uh, and you know, what's uh, another funny thing, and I know we're kind of diving in a little bit into the scenes, but we're working our way through it. The the scares. You know the the I think about the uh, the guard, right? Like he's uh, you know sent off to to look around, see what's going on. You know, and gives the walkie-talkie and the whole thing. And that sequence, I think about Nancy's, uh, sorry, Annie's death in the first movie. And like you t- you follow her out to the laundry to the laundry little room, you know, and she's in and out and, and you're kind of anticipating this, this death happening right at any given moment. And it kind of does, and it plays with your you know expectations and so forth. I think that's what this is trying to do with the, with the guard. And then they throw a cat jumping out of the, you know, the, the oh. dumpster. Oh, and the it's raccoon. just so, so well, it might've been, but I think it looked, it sounded like a cat made a, made a cat like sound. It could have been. Yeah. And, and I just thought, well, this is just such a cheap, jump jump gag you know and again where the movie in the first one did you know took the tension to the highest level this one is just like a jump of a cat like really and maybe that's 20 years or 40 years of, of movies thinking oh come on a goddamn cat is your jump scare like give me a break um but i found just like that again just a little hokey why would he like why would mike myers be in there like i, I yeah. no point would i think oh i'm just gonna hang out in a garbage trash in the trash Mike Myers yeah. doesn't hang out in trash. Okay. If I know something about Mike Myers, he's up walking around. Not very quickly, but he's walking around. <laughs> very at a very slow pace. We 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 know his max speed. <laughs> he's established his max speed and his min speed. His min speed and his max speed are almost the same. They're pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a point seven zero seven kilometer per hour differential. Yeah. Uh, but one thing he does not do is hang out in trash bins. No, so. although he does end up killing the the guard, which which with it with a kill that I, I quite like, which is the 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 hammer to the to the back of the head. Yeah, that was a good so, kill. That was a good yeah. kill. Um, Mr. Garrett, um, bit of an idiot, bit of a you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we knew I, the only gripe I have with it, and maybe it's just nitpicking. And I know we don't like to nitpick on the show. Uh, how did Mike get from? Uh, can I call him Mike? Or Mr. Myers, I'm not sure. I should. Uh, Mr. Myers, he was in the hospital, and then he's out in the and we're in the maintenance area. I, I know. I just felt like he kind of switched locations, locales, a little bit quickly for that sequence. But uh, then again, you know, he did take his time looking around. He could have made it from one place to the other, I suppose. So again, maybe a bit of a nitpick. Um, or he yeah, I think this movie really it really establishes that kind of. Uh, you know, I call it the tortoise and the hare uh, uh, approach. Uh, the slow and steady wins the race uh, type of thing when it comes to uh, movie serial killers. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's almost laughable the pace that this this guy kind of takes throughout the whole movie. I, I think, you know, there's that scene certainly near the end where she's rushing away to get to the elevator and he's just lumbering forward. Uh, and yeah. I suppose there is a sense that there is dread, but I felt like he just moved a little more gracefully and a little faster in the first one, even though still not quite achieving the goal of, of, of killing her. Uh, I felt like this one, he was pretty stiff and, and uh, 
the the character didn't quite have the same girth but again from a director perspective it's like i feel like you're holding on those shots for so long that you're taking away any of the dread for me you know you're not cutting enough you're not kind of you're not it's so languid this whole movie i find that it doesn't have any real it, it doesn't have a real pace to it you know i find that it is it sort of doesn't deliver in that and these are examples, as you said, of, of how does he get from there to B or A to B? It's sort of like, well, it doesn't matter because we just need him to be here for the scare. And we're not going to we're not going to spend too much time wondering why. Yeah, I'm going to definitely agree with you, too, that Mike Myers didn't have enough. I didn't have have as much grace. Uh, this movie, you're absolutely point when it comes to gracefulness. Uh, I think he used up all his grace in the first movie and didn't have much grace left for the second film. Um, I would agree with that. Now, one thing I got to ask, we're talking about his pace. Um, does he not want it enough? Uh, is he a little lazy? I, I got to know what his, is it a physical ailment <laughs> that prevents him from walking faster? Uh, I mean, I mean, the, the bit of a, bit of a elephant in the room, if you will, is this movie uh, almost become at some point. Where do you think? Where do you start thinking? Well, is this a supernatural? Like it almost like is this what this is supposed to be? Because I didn't think I wasn't sold on supernatural movie, Philip. I was sold on a slasher. Uh, yeah, so, I think. I, I, yeah. So you want to touch on that? Well, I think ultimately, as soon as there's no way to really defend it. I mean, as soon as you get six slugs in him, as the as the sheriff says. Uh, you're dealing with something inhuman, right? And there's obviously something else going on. And they kind of try to sort of touch on it with the Sam Hain thing and the school, which again is a bit of a tacked on bit of business. It doesn't really pay a lot of, uh, doesn't pay off necessarily, but that's maybe some indication of the sort of, that he's part of a larger historical uh, evil, you know, that he's sort of not been necessarily possessed, but is now kind of, transcended into this other other dimension as it were you know being able to sort of sit silently for 15 years as loomis uh, you know pokes and prods him so i mean i think as soon as you get past that first sequence of six shots and he's up and running again you know you're probably dealing with something a little bit uh, uh supernatural that only kind of continues to kind of go down that way over the series uh okay. but i do suspect that this movie wants to have it both ways, right? Wants it to be grounded in, in some level of reality yeah. and yet also has to sort of present like, okay, as I said before, this movie wasn't supposed to happen, right? And so when you're trying to come up with, you know, you're trying to basically like a retcon type of situation of trying to fix ways or add things to this first movie that make the second movie possible, uh, you run into some trouble, you know, and, and ultimately... Uh, a little bit of a, a backstory tangent here, but in Halloween one, uh, while they were shooting Halloween two, they basically went and shot scenes to be added into the TV version of Halloween one, which was premiering on the same night that Halloween two came out in the theaters as a way to bridge those two things a little bit closer. So you have added scenes. If you had watched the TV version that helped try and, connect some of the dots like the Sam Hain sequence in part two. There's, there's references now in part one to kind of connect that tissue and stuff with Laurie and Michael and this and that it's all built in, but 
But if you had no prior understanding, it just feels like, well, what? I don't understand what's happening. You know, there's no reason for this to happen. And I think you run into that risk. So the supernatural part would have never happened, obviously, if Halloween one had just been the entirety of the series. But as soon as someone said, well, uh, we need him back for Halloween two, it's sort of like, well, shit, I guess we have to make him <laughs> to some extent a little supernatural because, you know, uh, we need him to chase after a, a girl in a hospital. Okay. Well, no, you don't. And this is how you do it, Phil. Uh, if any <laughs> filmmakers are listening to me, uh, my thing is, I mean, I almost was okay. And, and, and this, and, and not being supernatural and just accepting the fact that he got shot, shot six times, missed, happened to miss all his major organs. Sure. Bullets went right through. Um, I don't want to have to believe it, but I'm willing to, I'm willing Could to be do the Nordberg it. effect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What I would have done is put a well-placed, uh, metal sheet somewhere on the ground somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So he's been wearing basically a bulletproof vest for uh, not an actual bulletproof vest, but sure. you know, knowing that he might get shot, it's like, well, I better protect myself. I got a, I got a mission here. I got a job to do. Um, something from the so, gas station, something from the garage. Something, yeah. Exactly. Just something from the back of the truck, a sheet metal. And, and that's, and that's it. You're done. Um, and then you don't have to come up with all the supernatural crap that, again, having just said crap, I don't mind supernatural if that's what I'm uh, in for. That's what I know I'm watching. That's okay. I'm mm -hmm. probably not watching it then. But <laughs> And then as we get to the end of this one, I don't want to jump too far ahead. There's, again, things you can do to say, okay, there might be a Halloween 3 and he still might be alive. Uh, Loomis might still be alive. There's still things. It can be from, uh, uh, you know, use your imagination where you don't really see what happens versus seeing the uh, an explosion or whatever the case may be, or doing it with a certain style or direction that you don't quite see at all. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've watched, you know, episodes of MacGyver and, they, and it does the same thing with the, with the reoccurring villain that keeps coming back, Murdoch. Uh, and there's no way he survives. But that's the whole thing he always does. And he comes back two seasons later to haunt MacGyver. Mm -hmm. And that's just fantastic. But you really, again, you have to just kind of, there's one where he falls off a like a mountain, like a pretty yeah. high mountain, and he survives. There's one where he was in a, demo, a, a building that's getting demolished, survives. So uh, I'm, I, you, you can forgive it for different reasons, but I think there's things that could have been done this way where A, it's better for us, the viewer, to leave yeah. us wondering, is there going to be a Halloween 3? Is there going to be a Halloween 2? Um, and doing it in such a way where you don't yourself have to kind of fix it in your head. Okay, well, I'm going to fix it. I know what I saw, and there's no way he survived. I'll just pretend it was done a different way to yeah. allow myself to continue to be engaged in this series. So I don't think it would have taken a lot of effort. I don't know why, if I can come up with it, it was an IQ of 71, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, why they couldn't have come up with, hey, let's just, you know, because he didn't get shot in the head now until, again, fast forwarding towards the end. This is really where, okay, this is, this is becoming supernatural for me. I'm out. Um, I like kind of the yeah, ask some certain things about these, two movies, uh, some elements of it I've enjoyed, of kind of like some suspenseful, suspense, suspenseful moments, and again, the intro of this one, and the build-up of the first one, but now I'm kind of like, okay, well, like the first one, we're like, I really want to see Halloween 2, even though I'm not a big fan of this genre, 
I really want to see Halloween too. And that's, I'm not alone. Clearly, as you mentioned, there's other people who felt the same way. Now I'm okay reading about Halloween three. I don't need to watch it. Uh, and my wife's like, are we going to watch all these movies? Cause I told her it was like 10 of them. I'm like, no, I mean, there's so much. Well, that's I, a I think thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not in my control. <laughs> not your to say. Yeah. I mean, we're only in season one here. So that's I mean, right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we could do a couple each season. So, Again, I'm not against it, the idea, just to kind of talk about it. Sure. But, I mean, it's certainly – I'm not left with, okay, I really hope Phil picks Halloween 3 uh, for the next one, which, as far as I understand, has nothing to do with Mike Myers. It goes back to Mike Myers for the fourth and fifth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, ultimately, that's the sort of trajectory of the season, because the series. Because, ultimately, as we were kind of saying here, this story really runs its course. I mean, it, it doesn't – nothing in this movie, I think, needs to happen or brings me any level of closure or any sense of comfort, let's say, you know, it doesn't necessarily like, as you said, watching Halloween one. And at the time, you know, you don't know there's going to be a sequel in two years or three years. Uh, but like, I think anyway, that movie ends on a high note. It's got, you know, great kind of music. It's got, you know, whatever. I felt like I want to see more of this as obviously the studio and, and audiences agreed, uh, you know, uh, 40 years ago. So I get that there is a sort of a market for it now watching it 40 years later, knowing that there's a sequel. As I said, I was excited about, Ooh, you know, like, let's see where this, I want to see more of these characters. And I think, as I said, what happens is this movie lets me and, and seemingly uh, all uh, you down by not giving us more of the story. You know, it's called more of the night he came home is that is its tagline, but it doesn't really deliver on that promise. I don't think again, having Laurie in a coma, nearly for the whole movie just does not give us any sense of any comfort, as I said, of, of continuing the story. And then when you're tacking on, you know, another movie we can kind of reference this quickly is that came out in between the original uh, Halloween and the sequel is a little movie. You may have heard of it called the empire strikes back. And there was a sense, there is a sense that some of the, uh, oh, let's make them siblings uh, is sort of oh, meant yeah. to be this big reveal. It's presented so clunkily in this oh. movie. Yeah. Uh, the, the bizarre flashback about, about 45 minutes into the movie of like this, you know, kind of sepia toned kind of thing of this little girl in a room like, huh, what does that mean? And then this mysterious file that's only now been discovered or authorized for release. Like this doctor has been his doctor forever, right? This is again, that retcon thing where it's like, well, shit, how do we connect these? I know we'll come up with this idea. And I think it's so cheap and sort of disingenuous and doesn't really matter. You know, it doesn't mean anything. The idea is to try and give purpose to uh, a, a, a killer, you know, that sort of up until now in the first movie, it's like, it's just evil, right? That's it. It's just evil. It's just out there for whatever reason. You don't know. It's sort of meant to keep you kind of guessing that way. And this one's like, no, no, no. He's just trying to kill his sister. And everybody else is just like fodder. But if that's the case, then he would just sort of, why isn't he killing the old people? And why isn't he killing the young, like, you know, like, and, and this other yeah. straight, like, and now it causes more questions than answers. And it seems a bit silly. And I do think it is presented a little bit like I am your father, you know, it's sort of meant to play into that kind of big twisty thing. And I think it again, just, just is, is pretty uh, clunkily, so clunkily presented that I just didn't buy it. 
did you have any feelings around what that meant or care even at that point? No. I mean, it certainly didn't help. It didn't make the movie better. Uh, that's yeah. 100% for sure. Uh, again, I'm okay with the fact that he kills young people, uh, young women, especially, mm-hmm. and the guy, because there just happens to be a boyfriend in the way, and you kind of have to take, take care of him, take him out too. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what we saw in the first one, right? And I feel like Lori is... I don't know how to say it. She's not, um, she's more, she's a, she's a woman that she's not easy. Like she's a respectable woman. Like she's not like a, a, a floozy. She's not out, you know, uh, sure, I get you know yeah. and I, yeah. And I feel it made some of the other characters were obviously were a little more in, in the first one. Right. Yeah. Uh, sexually active. So sure. I figure like he's, his mark is kind of like these, you know, young sexually active women. And he, doesn't want to give up on Lori. Like he really wants to kill her because she isn't kind of like that. That's kind of like, so he, that's why he he's, hasn't moved on. Just kind of, okay, well, I, I missed that one. I, I'll just move on to another one, kill them. Mm-hmm. He wants to kill her for a bigger reason, but I'm okay with it just because of her character. Yeah. Uh, or over the fact that he doesn't want to give up and, you know, good on him. Right. I wish I had that kind of determination in my life. Uh, or you know. it's like it's just like her that she that he happens to see. This is a theory from the first movie. She just happens to see her on the yeah. street that one day. Those three girls, and that's just like I'm gonna you know like that triggers something. You know it's exactly. Random. Yeah, I'm just gonna kill these people because they made fun of me when I was driving. Like yeah. they made a Speed comment. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, fine. You just you said that to the wrong guy. Uh, so I'm okay with just someone who's just persistent and just doesn't want to leave, which is kind of. Uh, you know, the fact that he, he walks so slow and misses so many opportunities. And I do want to mention one thing that I did mention, forget mentioning in the first one is uh, when he does have these opportunities to kill Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, they're like blatant misses, like Stormtrooper misses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the couch, like the, when he's behind the couch in the first movie, like how could you miss that? You had a clear shot. It's yeah. like you and, and you and the NHL series, really. <laughs> like how could you miss the shot? Uh, sure. And and then later on in the near the towards the end of the first one when they're upstairs, yeah, um, she just co- totally misses and just gets the fabric of her shirt. Yeah. Like uh, again, how could you miss that? Is your is your mask on sideways? Uh, well, he gets her in the arm. There's some blood, but yeah, I agree. It's definitely a missed opportunity. Yeah, but it's it's a pretty pretty clean yeah. miss, and it looked how they played it later is like, okay, well, did she actually get hit? Because it didn't look like she did, but it looks like clearly she did with the blood. But, um, so I didn't like that either. And I'm like, well, this is again, yeah. EA sports. It's in the game. There's these constant flaws that are always constantly in these movies that, Oh, you miss the easy shots. Like yeah. you can kill it. You can do this extravagant kill. Sure. Uh, so good. Oh, that's amazing. You're really good. And then you, you miss the wide open net, you know, that's fair. I mean, you, we've seen it. It happens, but hundred percent, hundred percent. Do you think? Uh, do you have any particular kill? I know we're wrapping up here. Do you have any particular kill that stands out in this movie? Anything that sort of sticks to you as being interesting? Or I think the clear one that stands out is the is the head in the hot water. Yeah, I think that's yeah, 100%. pretty obvious. Yeah. So I think again, there's a scene where I wish he had shown up on the other side of that uh, that kind of glass that you can kind of see through but can't see through. Yep. I think there's a missed opportunity there, which I would have liked to have seen him uh, come up in a certain time, which I thought was a missed opportunity. 
and then later there was one where he's behind like the change curtain. I thought I thought though, what's the point of that? I mean, okay, see, I wish that they would have got that kind of reversed. Okay, um, but I think that kill was the most brutal. Uh, yeah. uh, that you know, easily my favorite. That's yeah, my favorite of the whole movie. Not amazingly done because we see the face. But we don't realize the way the rest of her body, other parts of her body were in there too. How come they're not more marked up, more burned? Yeah. And well, Mike, Mike's hand, Mr. Myers, he's impervious. He's an evil being. Well, I suppose, I suppose he can handle a little, you know, you know, little third, third degree water. Come on. The guy's fine. Yeah, yeah. Come, on. Come, on. Come on. You're right. So you got to cut him a break yeah. here. <laughs> but in general, uh, yeah, that was cool. That was the best kill. It was quite interesting to see like the head nurse later on, we, where we don't see the kill. Yeah, uh, but all the blood, and so I didn't mind that of the off the off the off the camera kills, we'll call them. Sure. Yeah. Uh, all yeah. the OCK, the OCKs, as the kids call. But I, uh, I do. I like that they. I like that they kind of redo that light. Uh, you know the the dimming and, and you know elevating the light when when she gets the syringe in the eye. You know is again dark frame and then just sort of see the mask come out before the attack. They kind of repeat that. But that was really effective. Now I have to ask you in terms of Lance Guest and that relationship. Do you do you think a he survived the night and b uh, do you feel as this movie now is over, the series, as it were, uh, the the Lowry Strode story, do you feel like it reached a, an appropriate ending? Do you feel better at the end of it? Or is it all just a jumble? Very valid questions. Good questions. Uh, the whole, um, what's, his, what's the kid's name again, sorry? Lance Guest. Lance, Lance Guest in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. He slips, falls in the blood. Hit, I don't know. Did he hit his head? Did he hurt his back? I don't know what's going on with that kid. He yeah, comes and he shows out. up in the car and he kind of just passes out. So the yeah. idea is, he's, yeah, he's just kind of there. I don't know what's going on. Again, another again another EA flaw. She goes out. She has the whole place to run to, and she huh. sits in a car. Sure. Um, what are you doing, Lori? What are you? What are you? What are you? What are you? What are you doing here? This guy is clearly a slow walker. Uh-huh. Uh, your ankle is busted, and I like that. That it kind of uh, evens up the the odds. I do like that. Yeah. But you still have the, the the one up on him, so just run, sure. just run to the forest. He's not catching you. He's he's shown you his his max speed. Uh, take advantage of it. It's, if you didn't see it now, you saw it in the first movie. You have enough evidence to know what this guy's max speed is. Use that to your advantage. But the whole ending for me was get out and Loomis with the ultimate sacrificing himself. Don't yeah. like it. He could have left okay. again. He's not fast. He's got shot in the eyes. He can't see. You yeah. tell me you can't get out of that situation with a with a with an accessible door. At that point, he'd already been stabbed. It was already happening. Yeah, but I agree. I actually kind of yeah. like the "I'm going to kill a sacrifice to kill our." You know, we both have oh, to I go guess. down because Loomis like is so idea. far gone now. Like the idea. But, yeah. Like a lot of ideas, Phil, uh, <laughs> the execution of the mistaken identity and that and that part just yeah. kind of leaves me like, eh. I mean, okay. And again, that whole shot, well, they could have done it in a way where maybe they are alive, you know? Sure. But that's a big explosion. You're done. You're toast. You're burned. Well, sounds like that's a problem for Halloween 4, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I think it is. And we may have to find out eventually. Not next week, though. Next week, we've got uh, your choice coming up. For me, this movie really was a letdown, uh, a real disappointment. Um, so 
I doubt I'll watch it next year. But uh, Dave, what do we got for me next week? And uh, what are your final thoughts on this one? Uh, typical sequel, never as good other than Empire Strikes Back, oddly enough. Uh, never as good as the as the original. Uh, of course, the series gets lower and lower ratings as it goes on. So pretty standard stuff. EA Sports is in the game. Um, next week, uh, we're gonna watch. I hate to do this to you. Uh, it is Bruce Willis. Uh, I think you're gonna like it. You've seen it. I think you know why I want to pick it. It's Unbreakable. M Night Shyamalan's. All right. Uh, well, I've actually years. never seen this movie in its entirety. So oh, excellent. Well, we're in for so a treat. For a treat. <laughs> All right. See you next week, folks. Good night.